What do you want to be when you grow up? It's not just a question for a high school graduate. I mean, I didn't figure out what I wanted to be after growing up until I was 38 years old. Some of us are a bit slower than the average bear. If you're uncertain about your niche in life, I have some valuable advice for you. I also realize that if you are 18, you have just graduated from uh, high school in the summer or maybe college uh, this winter or next year in a few months, uh, this is a challenging question. And maybe it's even an unfair question because, again, it took me forever to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. But nevertheless, it is an important question that we all want to think about, and I want to talk about it in this podcast. Welcome to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. I'm very glad that you're here. I want to share an article that I've written for you, and the title of it is, What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up? Here's some advice. If you want to find it on our website, you could probably just type in a part of that title, like when you grow up, that should do it, and it should pop up for you. And you can read this entire article. I have a lot of embedded links here as well. And there's an opportunity for you to talk to us if you want to. I have a link at the bottom where you can jump on our free forums that are provided to you, provided for you by those who underwrite our ministry financial. And so we do want to dialogue with you. I have been on the forums most of the day today and yesterday. uh, There are people that are asking questions that are vital to them, things that they're going through. Some of them are quite difficult, and it's our privilege and joy to be able to serve them in whatever way that we can. And of course, if you have a question that you want to ask, that is the place to do it. And and they are free to you. It's our free forums. You just get your username and password like you would do for virtually any other uh, social media platform, and then you're good to go. And you can ask whatever question that you have Do not ask questions on other social media platforms because we are a small team and uh, we're working as hard as we can, but we can't be scattered out. And so uh, our thing is we want to serve you and we will never turn you away, but we have one place in the world where we interact with people. And so make sure it's on our private Uh, on our supporting uh, community forums. So again, this article, what do you want to be when you grow up? Here is some advice. Let me jump right into it. Now, I I hope you know God's Word is the starting point for the person looking to fulfill their niche in life. Peter said something rather profound when he talked about God and his knowledge All life matters come from knowing God, which we can only perceive through his written word. This is how Peter said it in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, a verse that you are quite familiar with, I'm sure. Peter said, quote, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And so if you are trying to figure out what you want to be after you grow up, you must have a relationship with God. He is the giver of life. He is the provider of the skills that we need to do life well. As Christians, we have the privilege to model something the world does not know because 
we are the purest form of image bearing. And I know that's a profound statement, probably stunning to some, and I do not mean it arrogantly at all. I really don't. Just as a, it's just a matter of fact. You see, because of our restored relationship with our Creator, we can reflect Him more perfectly than others can. Again, not an arrogant statement, just a matter of fact statement. The culture does not have that option. Because as Paul said in Ephesians 4, they are futile in their thinking, they are alienated from God, their hearts are darkened just as yours was and mine was before we came to know Christ. And so we don't look down on non-believing friends because of whatever we possess. Whatever we possess is a gift from God, and we recognize that, and we hold that thing. We hold those gifts loosely and humbly and with gratitude. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? No, we're, we're blessed, but it is a gift uh, it is because of grace, not because of any goodness that we possess. And so without a relationship with the Lord, uh, our unbelieving friends can only rely on self-imaging for their benefit, self-promotion, self-glory. But the Christian is empowered to be God-centered for God's fame. And so one of the ways you can do this, now assuming that you are a believer. Now, if you're not a believer and and you don't know how to become a Christian, please uh, jump on our forums and, and ask. But as a Christian, one of the ways you can do this, glorify God manifest Jesus to the world is through the skills that he has given you. But unfortunately, too many Christians are perplexed. They're flummoxed about what they're supposed to do with their lives. And I understand that, as you can do the math, 38 years old before I landed in my niche. And so let's assume that you are a Christian in good standing with God. I mean, that you are walking in humility, which you can do if you are a confessional Christian. What I mean by a confessional Christian is 1 John 1, 9, which you are familiar with. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We want to keep the slate clean. You always want to remove anything in your life that would incur the Lord's opposition. According to James 4, God opposes the proud. And so if we have any ongoing pride, sin in our life, we want to confess that. That's what I mean by being a confessional Christian. Now, your goal is not to live a perfect life. That's utopia. You can't do that. But you can live a confessional life. And so you're regularly repenting to keep a clean record with God, by so doing, you will receive his empowering favor. Because again, as James said in 4.6, he gives empowering favor to the humble. A confessional Christian is ready to tackle the two most vital questions around this idea of figuring out what they want to be in God's world. And those two questions are, number one, what are you supposed to do with your life? Number two, how do you get there? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing with your life? 
Now, I it's fine. Just say no. If the answer is no, just say no. I mean, you want to begin at an honest starting point. But do you know what you're supposed to be doing with your life? Do you know how to get on that path so that you can fulfill the custom-made calling with your unique gifting? One of the privileges I have is to help men and women figure out these two questions. And if you follow this advice, you could be well on your way to the best possible vocational life that a person can have unique to you. As they say, when you do the thing you love, you will never work again. Now, of course, that cliche is not true. Most cliches do have problems that are, that are uploaded into them, but you understand the point. If you do the thing you love, you actually will work harder than you have ever worked because you love what you're doing so much, and you'll be in higher demand because you're good at what you do. And so, yeah, I understand. If you're doing the thing that you love, you'll never work again. I kind of get what they are saying, but also if you're good at it, you will you'll work harder than you ever have in your life. You will have a problem shutting things down at the end of the day. You can become uh, what they call a workaholic. That's another podcast for another day. And so let me start with the first question. What are you supposed to be doing with your life? Now, someone once asked this question. What do you think about when you're walking to the mailbox? What is the thing that you think about when you have nothing else to think about? When you kick your brain in neutral and you can just free associate, you can just free will with your mind because there's nothing else going on, what does your mind naturally gravitate to? Whatever that thing that gravitationally pulls your mind toward is more than likely what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Now, perhaps you're not explicitly clear on what it is. Most folks are not, and I get it. And I don't want you to be guilted into anything or feel any shame because you haven't dialed in on that thing yet. But if that's your starting point, that's where you want to begin, and you want to start thinking about that thing because eventually it can lead to the life that you're supposed to be living. Now, for me... If you were to ask me, what is the thing that I think about when I am walking to the mailbox? What is that thing that I think about when I have nothing else to think about? That's real easy for me. It's people. It's people. I think about people. I think about people all the time. But of course, thinking about people, that's a vague answer. And so let me put a little color from the palette uh, on the uh, canvas. I've always been curious about people. I'm fascinated by people. My mother and I used to, when I was much younger, we were much younger. She passed away in 2013. But we would go to the mall in my hometown in North Carolina and just sit there and watch people and talk about them. It's a good thing to do. I'm fascinated by them. What do they do? Why do they do what they do? What is their story? Where did they come from? How did their past life and their friends shape them? People are intriguing to me. From that vague preoccupation with people, such a general vague thing, 
my life began to take a specific interest in people. It began to narrow into specificity. And, and part of that had to do with my pathetic childhood. And because of my pathetic childhood, the gravitational pull of my life started moving toward the underdog. Now I have a specific genre of people that interest me. I love the underdog. I wanted to help folks who were stuck, downcast, victimized, hurting in some way, because that was me. Do you see something developing here? My mind had an insatiable curiosity about people, and then my shaping influences brought more precision to that direction that I was heading. I wanted to help hurt people. Now, perhaps you're unsure what you think about when you have nothing to ponder. If so, talk to someone about this, because your mind is not an empty vacuum, something makes you tick. It's like the wife that comes in and says, my husband doesn't talk. And I say, well, is he a mute? Is he universally non-communicative? And she said, well, no, he talks to other people. Well, that's what I figured. There is something that makes all of us tick. The problem is he doesn't talk to you. That's another podcast about marriage problems and communication. But something makes all of us tick. We can talk. We can emote about something. And once you figure out that thing, even if it's most ambiguous and conceptual form, You want to place it in the middle of your brain, like a dot in the center of a paper. Imagine you walk up to the front of the class and you take a a felt marker on the white erasable board and you just put a dot on that board. That is the thing that you think about most and it's vague, it's ambiguous, it's in a conceptual form, a generalized form, it's lacking specificity. But at least you have a dot on the board. It's the thing that makes you tick. It's the thing that you think about when you have nothing else to think about. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Our oldest daughter is a reader, writer, and poet of sorts. She's always been that way. She loves people. She loves their stories, which is a passion that provides a direction for her life. She's been this way from the beginning. In the beginning, our daughter <laughs> loved to read, write, and and had this just this romanticized uh, perspective of life. And then our, our son is more hands-on. He's an active doer. He's always curious about how things work. I, I tell people that uh, he came out of the womb walking upright. He, he never sat still, and he's still that way. Now, our daughter is forming a career in social media and marketing. She just wrapped up a college degree in that. Now, now it's got more specificity. Our son is leaning into technology and video production, working with his hands and putting things together like films and commercials. You know where they may, who knows where they may end up, but they have a general direction The dot has more clarity and now is moving out into a specific direction for them and for me, even though it took a couple decades longer for me. Once you identify the lot, uh, the dot in the middle of your paper on the middle of in the middle of the board, it, it, it should be like a magnetic lodestar. Everything in your orbit naturally clings to it. And if it doesn't naturally cling to it, maybe you want to discard it because it doesn't fit your mission, your purpose in life. And so this picture, 
will keep your focus on what you should be doing with your life. My ambiguous generalized dot was people, which evolved into helping people, which turned into counseling them, which turned into training them, which is where I am today, creating content and resources for people who have vital questions and people who are struggling. And I have spent many years now with a very specific life plan. It will be crucial for you not to focus on the end game but instead on the start of the process. It's potentially arrogant, actually, to predetermine what you're going to be when you grow up, no matter how assured you think you are. It'd probably be good at this point to read James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, and you can note that if you wish. But James says that we should live with and quote, if the Lord wills attitude, because we have no idea what tomorrow holds for us. That's why you want to not so much focus on the end game. You can have a general idea of the direction you want to go, but you can never know the specific. Talk to anyone who is 50, 60, 70 years of age and what they thought they were going to be doing and how it ended up for them. I teach our mastermind students in our online school to think about the end game like a V, the letter V as in victory, standing upright, tight at the bottom and wide at the top. It's open-ended at the top and it has a definitive starting point at the bottom. That's the dot. Figure out your dot at the bottom, your starting point. And as James says, if the Lord wills, you may do this or that. Some of our students come into our program thinking they will be formalized biblical counselors only to realize they do not have that type of gift for that. If you force a career path that you don't have the gift for, you'll be a frustrated puppy and you may damage some other people also. Too many biblical counselors are like this. They, they have a genuine, and I do mean genuine, an authentic burden to help people. It's legit but they're not good at their craft. They hurt folks because they don't have self-awareness into their gifting, their skill set. They don't have the right friends to speak into their lives, or they stubbornly hold on to their dreams rather than discerning a, a more natural path for them. What are the necessary parts to help you accomplish what you believe the Lord is calling you to do with your life? And so now I want to talk about the second question, how to get there. Let's just say for the sake of argument that you know what the dot is. You have a general idea of the calling on your life. You're at the bottom of the V and you're getting ready to move forward. So now the second question is how do you get there? There are components that will glom on, naturally glom on to that dot that will cause it to expand and grow and give you a direction. They are the things that feed, support, and promote the primary goal, the dot in the center of the page. After you identify your center point of your life, even if it's most, it's in its most blurry form, 
You want to brainstorm how to get to your dream spot, your your dream place, your niche in life. And so I wanted to share with you a few companions that you want to put around that center point. Now, this list is not exhaustive, but it will give you a few ideas about some of the things that you must do to facilitate your life's passion. Perhaps it would be helpful if you shared these things with a friend so that you both can brainstorm together. And so here are five things that you want to think about as you begin to plot a course to your life's dream. Number one is spiritual. Examine your prayer life, your Bible study habits, your friends who will help you to keep on growing up in Christ. You want to have good companions that do not corrupt. And so perhaps you can describe your spiritual diet. What about your friends? Spiritual maturity is foundational to whatever you do. I say this is in no particular order, but, well, this is the first point. This is, this is number one, your spiritual self, your spiritual life. Number two is education. You don't know everything. We are not omniscient. Who are the educational feeders into your life that will help you to get to where you want to go? If you're working full-time now, you may want to ensure that there are suitable educational pursuits that become your off-the-job hobbies. Uh, I finished my master's degree. I, my educational pursuit became my hobby because I was working a full-time job at BMW. And so while I was working at BMW, I got my master's in biblical counseling. And for some of us, uh, that's what you have to do. But education is critical. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean college. College is not what it used to be, and college is not necessary for everyone. But that is the decision that you want to make personally and also in the context of friends who really know you and can give you profitable insight. And so spiritual is a, a component that you need to begin to figure out your life's course. Two, education. Number three, community. Ask the Lord to bring the right people into your life who can help you get to where you want to go. There are people out there who are doing what you want to do. Begin building a relationship with them. Ask them to help you. I mean, that's what our mastermind course is about. That's what we do. We train people who want to do something similar to what I am doing. You will also find needed encouragement with a group of like-minded friends. Number four, finances. Stay debt-free. Debt is one of the worst things you can create. Most folks work jobs that can pay their bills, and they are slaves to their masters. You want to be free from this bondage, financial bondage, so your income will help you get to where you want to go, not keep you from where you're trying to go. If you're not debt-free now, create a specific and practical and doable plan to become that way. I cannot overemphasize that point. And so here are just four Elements that are essential to help you get to where you want to go. Spiritual, education, community, and finances. You've heard the expression, jack of all trades and the master of none. It could be the scattered, unfocused, undisciplined, and unproductive mantra. 
this problem is one of the reasons that Luke 19.10 is one of my favorite verses when I think about being single-minded and slim and trim, a mission statement that really has no excess or extra syllables. Re, I mean, I want to share verse uh, Luke 19.10. I want you to notice that every word in this short sentence is monosyllabic. Jesus said this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Boom. How simple, how clean, how direct, how to the point, how focused. Jesus did not mess around. He knew his job was not to do everything, but to do one thing, save the world. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He stayed on point. The question that you need to ask is, what are the things that will keep you on point? Whatever those things are, stick to them. Some people become frustrated with me because I won't talk to them on social media. They are without understanding. Imagine if I jumped each time someone asked me for something on social media, like Facebook. It happens all the, it happens every day, actually. I think that's literal. That's probably literal. It happens every day, or it would be literal to say every day on social media. In the end, I would not accomplish anything if I responded to them. They are without understanding. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I stick to those things. Once you become a monkey collector, you'll bury yourself under a mountain of those little fellers. And what I mean by that is that every time someone asks you for something, they put a monkey on your shoulders. And if you don't learn the value of saying no or don't have clear guidance for serving folks, you'll become everyone's slave, always jumping at every call for help. That's the quickest route to burnout. It's also the quickest route to divorce. Jesus was not a monkey collector, but he loved people. Those two statements are not in conflict. Do you see the irony here? Nobody would say that he did not care for folks, yet nobody managed him. It is a skill to love well, but not give people everything they want, the way they want it, and when they want it. Do you know how to stay focused on your mission without being unkind or rude about it? I tell people all the time, we never turn anyone away. By the grace of God, we have not. But as I said at the top of this podcast, if you have a vital question, if it's important to you, we have one place, one place in the world to answer that question. Now, that tends to eliminate a lot of folks because what happens a lot of times, people see a blurb on Facebook and, and, and it'll just create a thought in their mind, but it's really not an important thought and so they put out this question out there, but they're too lazy. They're either too lazy to pursue it, or it's just not that important to them. And imagine if I, if each one of the, if each each one of those monkeys jumped on my back, this ministry would shut down. And so there is a way to stay focused on your mission without being unkind, without being rude, and you can love people. There is a balance between structure and spontaneity. Some folks have so much structure that they miss all the pneumatic moments in, those, in their lives, the spirit-led moments. Others are so spontaneous that they never accomplish much because they're all over the map with little focus or direction. If you want to succeed, 
you must figure out how to stay focused on your mission without being so stringent that there is no joy for you or those that you want to help. The title of this podcast is, What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up? Here's some advice. I would encourage you to read this article. It's a couple thousand words, but again, if it's important to you, you'll take time to read it. And you can also do a much deeper dive inside this article because there are several embedded links. I'm going to wrap up this podcast by asking you a few questions, and maybe you can go to this article on our website and copy and paste these questions on onto uh, your computer, your word processor, and then work through them with a friend. Uh, but here are six. All right, so number one, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, again, no pressure, no harm, no foul. If you don't know the answer to that question, that's fine, but you do want to ask it. I tend not to ask that question of high school graduates because it, how can they know? I mean, some do, of course, but how can how can most of them know? But it's a legit question, caveated. And so number one, what do you want to be when you grow up? Number two, what is the thing you think about when you have nothing else to consider? Number three, even if it's in its most vague form, what would be the center point of your vocational desires? Number four, what are some of the companions you need to help you to get there? Now, that's where you really want to take some time and make a list What are some good companions? Those good companions might not be just people. For example, YouTube was a huge companion for me when I started building this ministry. It was my constant companion because there was so much I did not know about technology and building platforms and and websites and so forth. Number five, what are some of the hindrances, monkeys? What are some of the hindrances in your life that take you off mission? And then number six, illustrate what structure and spontaneity look like for you. Are you living in the balance? Are you so stringent, so rigid, or are you so spontaneous that you're all over the map? Again, the title of this podcast, What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up? If you would like to talk to us, we will not turn you away. Jump on our forums. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.